It's October 7th, 2006, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome again to another episode of The Candid Frame. Before we get uh, moving on the interview, I have a couple of announcements. And, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, I either will have or will be uh, hosting an episode of Tips from the Top Floor. As some of you may or may not know, Chris Marquardt, who is the host of that show, was recently in California to accept uh, an award for Best Educational Podcast uh, at the Podcast and Portable Media Expo. Um, during that time that he was away, he asked uh, several of us from the Photo Photo Podcast Network to post some episodes in the interim. And uh, so far, Jeff Curto from uh, Camera Position and John Arnold from Photo Walkthrough uh, had posted uh, their versions of Tips from the Top Floor. And as of Monday, October 9th, I will have as well um, this sort of interesting producing content content for somebody else's show. But uh, I think it went pretty well, especially considering I did most of the recording for that, for that episode in my car. Uh, I had planned to come home and sit at my desk and, and put everything together, but uh, President Bush was in town, and traffic on that day was absolutely horrendous, and I knew I was going to get home much later than I had expected to. So thankfully, I had my digital recorder with me, and I recorded uh, pretty much the entire episode on that digital recorder while I was stuck in traffic, which is uh, probably the most productive I've ever been uh, in. I've ever been in the midst of uh, a traffic jam in Los Angeles. Not something I want to repeat, but it was fairly interesting to to see that I actually could accomplish something. Um, in the midst of all that mess. So uh, if you haven't uh, heard the show, you can visit Tips from the Top Floor, uh, tipsfromtopfloor.com, and listen to the episode, which will be posted, I believe, on the 9th of October. And if you haven't already heard that show, um, I really recommend you that you do it, not just to hear me talk about something else, but but uh, take a listen to previous episodes of the show. Chris offers a, a great service by providing a lot of of uh, technical information on, on photography and understanding of photography in a really fun, light-hearted way. Uh, we photographers can take ourselves very seriously at times, and, and Chris does a wonderful job of bringing a wonderful sense of humor to the teaching and the, and the sharing of photography. So take a listen when you have the time. And secondly... Since I've become a member of the Photo Podcast Network, there's been quite an increase in the number of subscribers to the show. And uh, though I had requested requested it a couple of months back, I had asked that uh, listeners post their feedback or comments on the iTunes Store. I find that a lot of people, when they're browsing at the iTunes Store, uh, will often look at the reviews to decide whether or not they're going to take a listen and try out a new podcast. And I have about nine comments up there, but I have a lot more listeners than that. Uh, if you could take the time to visit the store and post your, your comments uh, about the show, I really would appreciate it. 
Uh, it means a lot to me to, to see that kind of favorable feedback on there. And especially since I know that it's going to make a difference in terms of finding new, uh, new listenership. So if you could just take the couple of minutes that it will take to, to do that, I would be uh, very, very grateful. Um, so what we have today is uh, an interview with a photographer, Tony Sweet. And he, like Bruce Smith, is a photographer that I met up in Redmond during my uh, involvement with the Better Photo event that I mentioned in the last episode. And um, Tony is really an amazing guy. Um, he actually started off as a jazz jazz artist, uh, uh, a musician, and he was so for about 20 years before he made the career change into photography, which I thought was was very, very interesting. He currently um, does a lot of educational seminars, uh, teaching photography, and he also creates a lot of stock. Uh, he he is represented by the Getty Picture Agency, but a lot of his images find their way into postcards, catalogs, uh, annual reports, posters. And he was recently chosen in 2006 to be a Nikon legend uh, behind the lens. No small feat. What I think what you'll find very interesting, um, not only about his pictures, but in, in the interview, is that he really brings this sort of spontaneous, um, extemporaneous sort of sense to his work that he did probably to, to his music. I think um, it was very interesting talking to him because I realized that, that he really brings that whole mentality of of being spontaneous, of being very much in the moment um, to his work as, as a photographer. And it's, it's kind of hard to quantify, and I think you'll, you'll pick up on it as you listen to the interview. But uh, it really gave me a very distinct perspective of looking not only at, at, any, at a person's work, but just looking at photography from a completely different angle. Um, and I, I think you'll appreciate that from, from Tony. And I really recommend that you go to his site to check out his work. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of photography, of course, that focuses on outdoor photography. But I think that Tony brings a real unique perspective to to his take on the images. He has a really wonderful sense of light and color, especially in the abstract. And uh, and if if you're really into um, fine art photography, particularly macro photography and age photography. Check out some of his books. I had the chance to to look at them while I was uh, in Redmond, and uh, it's probably one of the better books that I've seen in terms of teaching uh, that those types of photography, rather than rather than being just you know books that are just really heavy with text and some illustrations. He really tries to keep things very simple, very clean. Um, so the layout of the book kind of follows in line with that, but the content I, I felt was just really strong and really gave you an immediate, immediate sense of what you can do and how you can do it. Um, the books are called Fine Art Nature Photography, Fine Art Flower Photography, and Fine Art Nature Photography, Water, Water Ice, and Fog, and they're published by Stackpole Books, and you'll find links uh, to that on the on the website. So... Um, that's it for me right now. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Tony Sweet. 
So I was reading your bio, and I saw that you started off as a as a musician, as a jazz musician, jazz drummer. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's how, correct. How long did you do that for? Over twenty years. Did you perform in a band, compose? What, oh, I traveled everywhere. Of? I played with um, uh, guys like Joe Henderson, Woody Herman, um, Red Rodney. Uh, more than I can recall. Cal Collins recorded for Concord Records a little bit, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. I was kind of on the scene for a short minute there, you know. But you enjoyed it. It's still probably a passion for you in some ways. Well, I still play. I'm still a, a musician first in my head, always. Were you yeah. shooting uh, during that time? Or no. Did you come, no so how did you come into photography? Uh, I started shooting at about age, age 44. Started doing this. Man. <laughs> start late, learn fast, man. That's what I do. I always start late and learn fast. Um... Yeah, so I just uh, met the right people, you know, and, and basically um, had some good mentors along the way that, that took time to be very generous, helped me out with stuff, and I felt free to call them up uh, 11 o'clock at night, 6 in the morning, if I had a problem in the field, and I'd go to the house and say, uh, why does this look like that, you know? What, what was the appeal to you? I mean, you were so invested in, in, in your music, well, and man, for people that make, you know, it's a dramatic change. I mean, what, what was it's it? It's not that dramatic of a change at all. Really? No, man. No, you're still you're still composing on the spot, which is what jazz is. Yeah. I mean, the difference is the tools. I mean, mentally, I'm doing the exact same things as I do playing music. Exactly. You get caught in the moment. You get caught in the zone, and and, and it's the same with everything. You yeah, know? I was seeing when uh, I think I was talking to uh, the Bruce, and he was talking talking about he was walking uh, outside, and then you were just seeing some color here. or that you were constantly just seeing stuff, little nuances yeah, in the sure. world around you that sure. that he wasn't aware of because you know, <laughs> he was he was elsewhere. But yeah, but, but Bruce I mean, does his thing. I mean, he's got a whole other level he operates on. You know, in his job. I mean, he's, you see his work. He's, he's phenomenal, man. Oh yeah, it's phenomenal. You know. Well, looking at your images, I, I was it was fantastic just because of your your way of seeing. But one of the things that struck me about your photographs that they are as much about time as they are about the object that's in the in the in the picture, time the time because you were showing the stuff with a very long exposure. Yes. So it, it gives you a sense of things not being static, but of movement and time of progression of change. Well, which I thought was one a real fascinating element of of, of, of your photographs because I look at a lot of landscapes as a result of, of being in the magazine. Oh, I'm sure you did. And, and and but it was seeing seeing the work um, as as a whole. You know, in terms of all the images that I was seeing, I was really struck by that. Um, that particular aspect of, 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 of your work, which I thought was, I thought it was great. I try to capture movement like any way I can. It's kind of hard in a two-dimensional space to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so if I can get a longer exposure on like anything moving, trees blowing in the wind or, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you know, the clouds, you know, that's also flowing water. So you get a long exposure on water and it kind of smooths out, you know, kind of thing. Um Certain uh, uh, subjects like just bend a certain way, and they have a certain visual rhythm, you know. And they do that. I, I just seek the same rhythm, you know, that I found when I'm trying to play drums. Yeah. Just, 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 just try to find the right rhythm, you know. When you when you get out, uh, when you first started getting out there, what what was the very first things that started appealing to you when you first started getting into photography? What oh were man, you responding to primarily, you know, was it, was it color? Was it was it light? Was it just it was just everything, man. Like it was like being when I first started doing this, you know, it was basically I was like out. I was playing music, music until like you know, twenty or three, and I was out at sunrise. Did it for uh. a year, did it for a year and a half, you know. It just felt great to be out there. You're by yourself, you know. It's cool. Uh, or it, that, you know, when I first started doing it. It was cool. 
Um, and you just try to find stuff, you know. It's, it's just complete discovery, brand new. So it was all brand new, you know, everything. And, then, you know. and that newness really appealed to me. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, if the first nature slide I saw, I was like, man, I can really be good at that. I knew it immediately, you know. That's what Miles Davis says. You know, when you see something you can do, you know it immediately, right away, mm-hmm. you know. And I had that experience. I just knew it. And I just dropped everything and began at age 44. Okay, what's a, what do I need? Right. You know, and it just took it from there. And just jumped into it. Flat no out. No fear, yeah. huh? Why? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things, though, is that people, people uh, uh, a lot of people aspire <coughs> to do what you're doing, P- particularly to make a change from doing something, you know, living one particular way in their life and then wanting to make a change to do something, doing something else. Uh, even though the, the experience of you playing jazz uh, for you, it's a very similar creative experience as to creating pictures. Still, it's a it's a life oh, change. Of, of no, it's not. Not even creative. It's, it's it's a fact that you know once you get used to living by your wits, uh-huh. and that's the overall template here. People who are afraid to make the change are more afraid of going from like you know a weekly paycheck to like nothing. That's the fear, mm-hmm. not the fear of changing careers. That's a piece of cake. Yeah, you know, the fear is the money. You know, that's the deal. And, and you're jumping off into like a like a free fall. You know. And when you live that way your entire life, which I have, I, I've worked one day job in my life for one week. Mm. Yes. Yeah, 50-some years, 56 years, you know. So, I mean, it's always been like, you know, um, this mindset where you live by your wits, and when you do that all the time, it's like, that's a big deal, you know. You just go on to the next thing, nothing else changes, you just change tools and keep moving forward. So what was a big challenge for you then? Because they... they, they for a lot of people, that in itself is a challenge about mm-hmm. being, being being willing to take the risk to make the change. Sure. For you, was what was uh, what were some of the obstacles that you had to surmount in order to improve the way that you saw saw the world? Because it, for me, it, it, uh, the idea of seeing the world it's sort of a progressive thing, you know. Sure, it is, and and yeah. it's always changing. But when you first make the leap into into the into a visual art. There's first the, the sort of the awakening that you first experience, right, right, and then that's right. slowly you you start you start seeing a lot. But then it's the part of of not only seeing what you want to see, but seeing the things that really don't help. There's direct correlation it, between that and, and playing improvised music. Direct correlation. I mean, like one to one. Well, because you're editing when you uh, you know, play music, you're improvising, and, and you learn through experience. You know that it's much better to not play everything. You know, and play mm-hmm. things that are more selective, things that have more meaning, leave a little more space. Sounds like pictures to me. You know, same thing. Mm-hmm. Leave more space, isolate, edit. You're ready to even play music. You know, constantly. You know, in real time, you, you learn to pre-hear things, and you learn to pre-see things. When you go, so when you go out to a location, you kind of know of a general sense of where you're going. But you're not. I, I take it you're not the type of photographer who says, "Okay, I'm going to plan. I'm going to be here at this location at a certain time. I'm going to this image." Or, you've got oh, to do I'm, that to an extent. You've got to do that with workshops. People are paying for that, right? You know, so that's a that's that's a job. And I mean, job with you know, like small J. I mean, I love every second of it. But that's people are depending on me to, to find things for them to make their experience more pleasurable and and, and very easy. So that's. That's the focus on that, but for me, when I go out, I'm just like empty my brain, it's just empty, and I look around. I have no preconceptions almost all the time. And I just uh, look around, so that's nice. And then, yeah. go, and then go have a look at it and see what's going on. So tell me about the, the, the editing process, because 
because um, that's that's a big part of it. I mean, the experience of going out there and creating the creating the image in and of itself, I can really completely understand how that sort of jives in with with uh, um, that you know that the whole thing that you're describing. But when it comes down to looking at the images and going, okay, this works, this doesn't work. Um, how is that process for you in, in comparison to creating the image? Uh, uh, you mean like it, 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 like I think that they're doing it? You mean? Yeah, when you're out there doing it, it's one experience. But when you're out there and you're looking at the and you're looking at the computer monitor now, and you're looking at all. Oh, the so now I'm back. Now shot. I'm back from shooting. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I do my job, I'm getting better at my job. Like anybody else who does things for a while, they get better at their job you know, as they go mm-hmm. along. You know, and I'm getting better at, at editing things down in the field because I, 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 yeah, I know. The good thing about getting older, man, is, is that you learn to be a little closed-minded in a positive way. No need to, like, try every possible. Like, you know that's not going to work. You know that's not going to work. That's, that's going to be terrible. So you're closing up a little bit to things that you know work, much smaller subset of material. So, you know, what you look for are, are pretty much, you know, like in your visual template, you have things that you always look for, certain configurations, certain shapes, certain colors that go together, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and uh, they're infinite, but they're also finite, you know, so that's kind of what I work off of. Just to, and that gets smaller and smaller as you get, you know, more into what you're doing, and you learn to really isolate and simplify. It's a process, man. Yeah. You can't teach it. You can't read a book on it. You know, you can't put a 20 years in, in, into like you know one in your, in your book. You can't do it. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you can pass that on, but to someone who doesn't know what that is, it's just just it's just a series of words. You know, it's, you know, it sound good. Yeah. But they don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing with experience. You experience it or you don't. It's just binary. It's, it's, it's one. Of, it's, it's yes or no. In in, in performing jazz, it's it's a very collaborative. Um, it's it's uh, both. It's it's very. Uh, 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 it's a group, but you're also functioning on a, a, a solo level, especially playing jazz music. Mm-hmm. You know, I suspect that you're probably when you're playing someone, playing with, with other people, you constantly like. Testing limits, and you hear someone do something that may be a little different than what maybe you expected, and so you react to that. But when you're a photographer, you know, except when you're doing a workshop or you go out shooting with someone, you're there by yourself. Um, what kind of process is is that in comparison to to um, it basically? What I'm asking is is how you how you end up testing it, pushing the limits, because it's, it's, it's very easy in photography, or probably any art, to stay within a certain comfort level and, and sort of uh, try and make the most of a particular box, but then and at some point it's kind of like okay, I need, to, I need to move out of that box, I need to challenge myself, I need to move into an area that... But that's um, a conscious process you know, nothing creative is conscious okay, there are different levels of, of, of operation, you know, that's what's called being in the zone, I mean you've yeah. been there, I know you yeah. have you know and it's like, you know, you just, uh, if you react uh, and completely free your mind to just react to what's happening, it'll be right. The second you start thinking about it, man, you're on a whole, like, lower lower level, mm-hmm. okay? You can't think as fast as you can react. Yeah. It's impossible. You know, so you have to, as far as learning the tools, and, and this relates to, like, being out in the field, because, because the light in photography, in nature photography, is, is like seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. You get out of the car, it's like, oh man, that is great, you know. And if you see it, then it's almost all over. Right. You got to be there when it's dark and watch it evolve. If you like get there, it's like it's good. It's 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 almost too late. And you got to be in a position to like you know, you know, again, like learning an instrument, you learn all these rules, how to hold things, how to think, how to little pattern things. And then when you're in the you know the moment, that should should be so internalized. It's just hitting the switch, and things just happen because that's the way they're supposed to happen. 
Yeah. And it's a thoughtless process. It's a there's no thought process involved. There's really not. Yeah, it just you becomes know. intuitive. And it's to learn your equipment with photography, learn your gear, learn what filters to grab, have everything labeled, so you find it in the dark, you know. And just uh, just like playing music, it's like okay, I need this, just bang, 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 and you just go, you know. But again, it's a process, and it's also a product of like playing music and getting to that mindset. Yeah. So when I changed careers, it was really the only difference was, was just different tools. I mean, yeah, you know, the mindset is exactly the same, exactly the same. Yes, yeah. it is for me. You know, it's not the difference at all. Yeah, in, you travel a whole lot. Um, what particular you don't? Uh, roughly about the be like a ball player, three or four months a year, solid. Really, like ninety, hundred days a year, something like that. And with the rest of it, you're doing what? Well, we're home. I'm doing little day trips back you know, back where we live on the East Coast, you know, and uh, working in the office, uh, just hanging out, you know, doing stuff. I write books and have another one planned. Um, critique on betterphoto.com. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the tell me about the books. Uh, Fine art, nature photography was in 2002. Uh, 2004 was fine art, flower. Uh, 2007, January will be. Um, uh, a final photography subtitle Water, Ice, and Fog which is all like how to interpret the art of interpretation mm-hmm. is a subtitle on that and then there's a digital book on the horizon after like after that so it's uh, I've been very lucky with Stackpole who publishes uh, mm-hmm. these things that I've had um, the thing about books which is kind of cool you know is, is basically you with an established publisher you know like uh, uh, um, Amphoto who have uh, these cookie cutter type templates that they just like put everything into this little template you know that's it's great to get published. Okay, I mean, yeah. it, it's always great. It's always a winner, no problem. But with Stackpole, I was pretty much given the leeway to uh, you know, create the book, the size, the format, square format, like eight by eight. Mm-hmm. Pick all the pictures, put them in the right sequence. Write all the text uh, that I had edited uh, before I sent it to them. Make their job very easy. Yeah. And um, and then yeah. They let me sign off on, on, on like everything, so it's pretty much my book going through Stackpole. What did you hope to 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 provide in those books? Because there are a lot of books about uh, the, the topic of nature photography. And That's true. Design. So, w- what were you hoping that people would get out of it when they picked up and read the book and applied what they'd learned? Well, it's kind of funny, you know. When I f- first uh, started seeing photography books, it was always like you see a picture, then then you, need, then you would need to like you know look through the pages to find information about it. You know, it'd be like some page before, page after, you got like page through these things. What I always wanted to see was a book where like, here's the image, here are these specific texts, when you turn the page, there's no more text on that image. I want everything like right in front of you, here's the image, here's all the information, when you're done with that, turn the page, that's history. It's a whole new image, whole new text for that image only, you know. And nobody did it. Mm. So when I finally got enough juice to produce one, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I did. Oh, very cool. You know. Um, you teach it a lot with with, with workshops. When, um, with that one on one experience that people have um, for you, with you know, with you, um, what what are you hoping that the people come away with? Because a lot of people, when people want to go workshops, the, the I think some some of the mentality is they want the the trophy shot to take home, you know. And then there are others who people really want to learn like a new way of seeing. I think it's. Uh, it's I'm sorry, but but. In in terms of the way your your workshop is organized, I'm sure that they have the opportunity to sort of do both. But if someone signs up for for your workshop or any other workshop, what are some of the things that you you recommend that they they do or leave behind well, when from, they come when they come? Well, from what I understand from what they tell me, uh, most of them have the books, yeah, you know, that I've been lucky enough to get published, 
and and they want to do stuff like that, you know, like more smaller scenes, more personal uh, images, not not the the grand scene, which is great. Yeah. But if you have like you know ten people on the Grand Canyon, guess what? You have about a thousand shots of the exact same thing, you know. What we do is, is, is we go to uh, East Coast is, is, is a much tighter situation. You know, there's no wide spaces. Mm-hmm. You got to be very selective. It's tougher to photograph on the East Coast. You know, you, I mean, it, like you can't walk to a vista except in Maine, and and, and get a uh, just automatic great landscape at sunrise. It's just mm-hmm. rare. So uh, uh, you know, they want to learn how to uh, find smaller things. I've always shot, you know, smaller stuff. You know, from like from day one. My first shot was a. Uh, a macro of a leaf of a dual on a leaf my first picture I still have it okay. first one you have macro wide open right down on the ground macro lens you know dual on a leaf and that's kind of where I stayed <laughs> okay that, that basic concept you know actually smaller things because they work for stock and much better um, they say nature doesn't sell for stock well you know like mine does mm-hmm. uh, I'm lucky I'm lucky to say that I feel fortunate to make money doing anything that I love basically you know but uh, because it, it is more nondescript, a single dewdrop is a good stock image. A, a country road where you can't tell where it is is, is a nice, a nice image. Signature uh, images that are, are like uh, of the Grand Canyon of Bryce, they're signature images. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be about that specific place right. almost, or it, it's not going to work as a stock image. You know, so things that are a little more uh, nondescript work very well. Um, and your question was, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, well, no, let's move on to this idea of, of, of stock. It's like how you got into, into stock. Because a lot of people who aspire to do um, um, outdoor photography and to make a living at it, you know, they look at magazines like Outdoor Photographer Magazine and they, they see these people traveling to all these exotic locations. Uh-huh. Um, and, but the market for outdoor photography isn't huge. You know, right? Um, but That's but right. stock is one of the one of the ways that people have made a market for themselves. How did you find your way uh, uh, there and and what have you liked about and not liked about working uh, uh, through stock? I like everything about it. First of all, we'll get into that in a second. Um, I basically got involved with a company called Digital Vision out of England, and they got bought up by Getty, and now I'm a Getty photographer. So you kind of get grandfathered into these large agencies. I made a few bucks with Digital Vision, and now I'm making like you know uh, almost five figures a quarter, actually more than that, with uh, with Getty. Mm-hmm. It's gone up exponentially because they're so huge. I mean, Getty makes a, a, a sells almost a, a, a billion dollars a year in, in image leases. A lot of money, man. Yeah. You know, and and uh, if you look in their catalog, there's not a lot of people that are doing like very small small shots of nature like you know a leaf with some dual one or like a part of a tree or like a blue sky with a cloud that kind of very abstract very generic stuff that works well in, 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 in uh, uh, annual reports mm-hmm. and ads and that kind of, you know, where they can drop text in around it that kind of thing I mean I don't shoot like that but right. that's what they wind up doing with them you know <clears throat> but um, the stock thing is, is, is tough you know but like I was saying at, at the lecture last night that was last night right yeah okay you know, if you get in with any agency, and if they grow, chances are Getty will buy them out. And then when they do, you're in a position to like uh, immediately make contact with somebody. Getty say, "I just got bought out by uh, I was with so and so. You guys bought me out. What can I do now to get more involved with Getty?" Mm-hmm. And 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 then once they see that you're making an effort and have the right material, don't forget that. Then they'll they'll move you along. You know. Okay. Yeah, because the whole industry is changing. So it's like mm-hmm. photog- you hear a lot of photographers, you know, bemoaning the fact that 
they're not making as much money as in terms of stock. But that's right. I, I think part of it is the fact that uh, they're not recognizing how much they have to adapt in order to. Well, well, well if you know, it's kind of like you know, my assumption is that you know, my assumption is you know, today teaches as much as I do. There's there are people that I you know, thank God they're working door to day because they're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're great. You know, they could do books, whatever they want to do. I say, man, please keep your day job. Please keep your day job. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, my assumption is, like, everybody's good. Everybody. Now, if, if that's the given, what can I do to get above the pack? That's the question today. Like, how do you get out of the, the crowd and, and, and rise yeah. above that? And you've got to get to places that, that are, are unattainable or very tough to achieve. Book publication, being on a lecture circuit to an extent in this business, you know, mm-hmm. Um, getting involved with like major corporations, like I'm a, I'm a, a quote, quote unquote Nikon legend, which took three years of marketing for me to get that. Oh, yeah. I lobbied for it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I lobbied for it, man. Whenever I get a thing published somewhere, I call up my contact guy at Nikon. Hey, look, uh, can I get to be a Nikon legend now? You know, not because, of course, I'm not a legend. I mean, I mean, who the hell is? But the fact of the matter is that it's a marketing tool. That means a lot more to everybody else but me. <laughs> yeah, but I can use that. Yeah. You know. You know, to make a living. That's all that it is, man, you know. Uh, who are some of the uh, photographers that influenced you? Because in, in, you, cause you've made a lot of relationships uh, in, in, in your time in photography. Why don't you tell me about some of the people who you feel like have really kind of inspired you or helped you out? Oh, man, you know, well, Pat O'Hara, first and foremost, he, he lives around here. Pat's up in uh, Port Angeles, you know. And I work with uh, the Great American Photography Weekend or Workshop. Was it Weekend or Workshop Company? Yeah, did, yeah. Talk, did these weekend things. Uh, for years, and um, that's another thing. And when I first saw that company come out, I was just starting to shoot, right? And, and uh, you know, again, living by your wits, I had a few thousand bucks saved up at the time, you know. And it's like um, this guy, Bill Fortney, sent me like a little list of the Great American Photography Weekend, and here's where we're going. And I said, man, I got to go to all these places. This is where I got to go. So I called the guy up, look, man, you know, I'll do anything. Just let me come and help out, run for lunch, because. John Shaw was teaching, mm-hmm. Galen Rao, Pat O'Hara, Rod Plank, Jim Brandenburg. Everybody I thought was, you know, the, the guys were there every week. A different guy every week. I said, man, you know, I'll pay my way. I'll pay my uh, anything. Just mm-hmm. just let me come along. It's just, it, it, you're like you're, you're like I joined a circus, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you know? And I just took my, I think I had like eight grand. And I, I, I wasn't playing music. I was working a part-time day job. I was transitioning at that time, you know. And I just uh, said, fine, let's go. To go make, I figured that was like my college education in photography. <laughs> it's true. It, it was, man. Met all these guys. You know, I got good like really fast because I'm like around these guys who are like giants in this yeah. business, you know. And I just said, man, I've, I've got to do this, you know. So I just did it, you know. Got in the car and drove to, got in the car and drove to here from from Cincinnati, Ohio. Did you? Yeah, oh, Olympic, wow. Olympic National Park was my first workshop. That's great. Got in the car and drove. Didn't know where I was going to stay. Nothing. <laughs> But that really speaks to the whole idea about <laughs> about surrounding yourself with people that you can that give you something to aspire to. Oh, you know, because I didn't I, I didn't have coming up um, people around me, but I surrounded myself with all their books. Yeah, you know, and I would sit there on the floor and I'd go through that stuff yep. over and over and over again. So it was just like you know, all those seeds were planted yeah, in my right. brain. So every time I went out there. That was that was in the back of my mind. Sure, you know, here. I might not succeed. I'm, other days I might, but I I taught myself how to see largely yeah. as a result of just immersing myself 
in all those books of, the, of these great photographers. You've got to immerse yourself in what you do. I mean, if you play music, what do you do? If you, you know, write, listen, yeah. what do you do? You read a lot of writers, you know, and you practice writing. If you're a film writer, you watch a lot of movies. I mean, it's just, that's what you do, you know, to pick up <clears throat> all that stuff in your imagination, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, I just made a point to, like, uh, just this man, you know, just, just like being around these guys, just like meeting them, you get better. Yeah. You know. Do you, re- do you remember a, a particular moment where all of a sudden you just, you just, just went, oh, my God, when you saw somebody's work that kind of, kind of totally transformed the way that you, that you well, saw? Or? Sure, Freeman Patterson, you know, Pat O'Hara again, you know, th- these guys. I mean, there's certain, you know, again, there, there are certain epiphanies. The first one was my, my friend Tony Gayhart, who's my first mentor. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, I was shooting like musicians. Yeah, I had a camera, I was playing music, I was shooting like Joe Henderson, guys I was playing with, you know, different musicians. And then um, I bought my used gear from Tony, I went down to this place, and he said, uh, you know, look at this. Showed me a great shot of the Smoky Mountain, sunrise, great light, beautiful transparency. I said, okay, that's what I wanted. I could be, what I said was, was you know, I could be great at that. Now, I know it's kind of crazy, but that's what I yeah. said. I said, I mean, I could be great at that. Yeah, how do I do that? Give me all these lenses, here's, here's the lenses you need, and here's where you go. And that was it, you know. Mm-hmm. That was the first one. The second one was when uh, Pat O'Hara, uh, you know, saw Pat's work, and it's like, boy, that's that's exactly what I'm feeling. You can feel, you know, what these guys are shooting. Yeah. You can feel it. And I said, man, that's exactly what's going on inside of me. I've got to find a way to get that out, you know, to get that to get that together, you know, to get the, to get that good. And I'm still working on it, but uh, that was the epiphany that kind of moved moved me to the next uh, next uh, uh, aspirational plane, I guess. I'm not sure what that. Yeah, talking to you just reminds me of that, <coughs> of that moment where you have just a. A, a, a moment of truth inside yourself. Oh man! Where you know we go, this is right. Yep. For me, absolutely. And it's like once you get that feeling inside you, you know, it's not anything that you can suppress. It takes a lot of work to suppress. It, yeah, it does. You know. Yeah, it does. And it, but if you surrender to it, well, well that's know. that's the key. That's that's back to this thing about you know people wanting to transition from like you know a day gig to yeah. this. You gotta let go of stuff, man. I mean, you can't. Uh, I mean, we're all gonna die here. You know what I mean? And, and the clock's running, and you can always make more money, but yeah. we just have one life. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, you gotta follow that. That's. Uh, but the, it's it's beautiful when you get when you get into that space, and the the fear and the anxiety never goes away. But it, when you learn to embrace it all, oh sure, and you man. go out there, it makes what you create. That much more alive, that much more poignant. But look at what we're doing. I mean, every so often you got to stop and, and, and you know, when you're at, a, at some sunrise or some beautiful place, you know, it's like, you just got to stop and say, man, you know, everybody's driving to work and look where I am. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and I'm making money at it. So, I mean, it's, there's worse ways to go. Yeah, it's a wonderful experience. <laughs> you're just standing there and it's a great sunset and all of a sudden you're going, everybody else is in a car, everybody's yeah. at an yep. office. It's everybody. quarter of eight and look where we are. It's great. <laughs> So what, what's what's uh, what's next for you? You mentioned the the, the book, oh, but man. where do you want to? Where's the ter- where's an area you have where Tony hasn't gone that you want to <laughs> go to? You mean photographically or just in life in general? Yeah, yeah photographically <laughs> or life. Man. I'm getting back in the plan again when I get home. I got oh, yeah? I'm gonna pick up my drum off the, out of the studio and bring it back. Start playing again in the house. Start practicing again. Um, I mean, I still play once a week when I'm home, but I want to yeah. sit down and like just just have some therapy because it's, it's it's great for your head to sit down and make stuff up on the drums, you know. Um, gee, I don't know. You know I want to travel more with Sue because she kind of like you know takes care of me and she wants to get out and do a few things. And and uh, we're doing okay now with stock things that finally not that I can rest because I'm, I'm I can't ever rest. You know, 
we want to get out maybe next year um, and, and do like one month vacations, maybe two of them, you know. Okay. And just go out and just shoot, just like we're coming here next year to to Redmond for better fo- if we have another meeting, which I, you know, I hope we do of instructors at least, yeah. you know. And we'll drive the northern route and go across to uh, you know Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and all those upper tier states, and 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 stop the Badlands and Idaho and Eastern Washington State, and do all that for about a month. And then uh, just some of that, you know, just uh, we're making a few bucks now, so we can relax just a shade, and, and do more shooting, <laughs> you know, you know, and 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 do more shooting, and and maybe do some more better photo classes, and maybe uh, start playing some more, and try to learn Photoshop. Jesus, you know, I'm behind on that, huh? I'm more behind. Well, probably less than I think I am, but I want to learn learn more. I saw what Lewis did today, and I was like blowing off the maps. Oh, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so I want to get that little thing together, and but. Uh, Things are cool right now. I got a cat. We love our cat. You know, she's tremendous, and we miss her terribly. I'm not going to see her for another two weeks. What's her name? Akira. Oh. Oh, she's yeah. great, man. Great. I've had cats my entire life, but she's she's a big time winner. That's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's great. Well, you mentioned uh, several different photographers, but I always like anything the show by asking uh, the photographer I'm interviewing to to suggest one photographer that people go and check out online, and I usually provide a link on on the site for people to check out. So. Uh, who for you oh, do you man. suggest? I know it's hard because there's so many people out there, but give me one name and, and why you why you think they should check them out. Well, patohara.com. You know, you know, Pat Pat is is in my opinion one of the greatest visual artists uh, of 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 in my lifetime. You know, I mean, he's got he's, he's everything Pat touches has this. You can always tell when, when somebody is 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 is, is uh, unique. You know. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see a pad image, it's like there's no question. If I'm on a calendar and I see a pad image, there's no doubt that's a Pat O'Hare shot. Even somebody copying Pat does not do Pat as well as Pat does. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's the real deal. It's obvious. And like you said, there's, there's thousands. There's thousands, you know. But he's top of my list anyway. Great. Well, thank you, Tony. This oh, you're is great. welcome. Honest, no problem, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe.com at gmail.com or you can leave a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Pirello and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com